0: Folks, what I'd like you to do right now, we're going to, you know, we've just come through Palm Sunday through Easter, but before the Easter season, we were in the book of Galatians. So what I would like you to do right now is I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter four, Galatians chapter four. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay, because we're going to put this verses up on the screen. Now, what we've been talking about with the book of Galatians in this series, we've entitled this series, Accepted, Experiencing Grace Day by Day. We've been looking at the whole issue of your acceptance with the Father through salvation. Because it is so easy for you and I to forget about the grace that was shown to us and not to even be aware of the new relationship that we have with jesus christ and that's because we live in a world that is corrupted and that even includes the church and it would be so easy for you and i to be distracted from this whole issue of acceptance because that's what paul's dealing with in this letter remember this is an unusual letter because the way he starts it out he does his normal greeting Typically, what he would do with his letters is then go to a prayer of thanksgiving for those who are receiving the letter. But in this letter, he doesn't do that. He goes immediately to the heart of the issue and says that they have been deceived concerning the issue of salvation someone has come along and told them that in order for them to be accepted by christ they needed to be circumcised or they needed to follow the law the same thing is happening today in our churches so many people are so confused concerning the whole issue of what acceptance with God is because people have come along and said to them, in order for you to be a good Christian, in order for you to be accepted by God, you need to do these things. You need to go not go here. You need to do this. And even today in this crazy political world we're in, you need to even vote this way. Folks, none of that has anything to do with your salvation and your acceptance with God. And that's what Paul has been talking about throughout this letter. So I want you to look with me. We're in chapter 4 today. He's going to talk about your true standing. See, a lot of us don't understand that. We don't truly understand who we are in Jesus, the true standing that we have in Christ. In fact, a lot of us are still living in our old standing. So I want you to notice with me what the scripture says. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7 today. So read with me. Paul says this, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is the master of all. "...but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage And we're going to divide it into two sections. It's very obvious when you read it that it's two sections. The first section is an example from the Greco-Roman world at that time, from life. We're going to see an example from life. We're going to see that in verses 1 to 2. And then the rest of the passage, verses 3 to 7, we're going to divide into a section called the appointed time and its significance to you and I. So let's take a look at these two sections. First of all, let's talk about that, those first two verses there with regard to the example from life. And he's going to use the example of an heir. That is somebody who's born into maybe a royal family, someone who's born into a wealthy family in a Greco-Roman world where most of the world is slaves. He's going to talk about the heir look at what he says again he says now i say that the heir as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave though he is the master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father all right so let's talk about this the example from life first thing i want you to see is this is that the heir is no different from a slave when he is a child. So he's thinking with me, think with me for a moment. You have a household in the Greco-Roman world. Maybe, maybe the person who has the household is is a nobleman, or maybe he's somebody wealthy, but he has his kids, but he also has slaves, and their kids are there as well. And those kids intermingle. Now the heir, the child who is an heir, he has prestige. He has a position that is coming to him, but the slave, their children, they're just slaves. But when those kids intermingle and when they're growing up in that household, there truly is no difference for them because they are both living under a set amount of rules. In fact, he would go on and say here that even the heir has to live under guardians, under teachers, under tutors. So the heir is no different from a slave when he is a child. The second thing he points out here is this, is that the heir is under authority of others until the appointed time. I've already mentioned that. So until the appointed time, when that child reaches adulthood and can assume his position as an heir in that household, in society, He's really no different than the slave and he has to exist under authority. We kind of see that in our everyday lives here because our children, until they reach adulthood, are under authority of who? Parents, school, coaches, so forth. They're under authority until they can reach adulthood and then they're on their own. Same thing I want you to see here. So in a way, that child, while he's under authority, is kind of like a slave. Now, we've already seen in chapter 3 that he's already told us that one of the authorities in our life was the what? The law. Remember, he referred to the law as our tutor. And I had told you it's kind of like a brutal teacher. And so we existed as children until the appointed time. Under authority, that's the example from life. Now you say, okay, George, what does that have to do with my standing and my understanding, my acceptance with God? Well, that's where Paul takes the argument now in verses 3 through 7 to talk about the appointed time and what happened for you and I that you and I need to grasp about who we are in Jesus right now. So let's look at that. Let's look at verses 3 through 7 again, okay? Look at what it says. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, I want you to see, we're going to look at six things here about the appointed time. Six things that are going to help you to understand who you are right now, your true standing. Now, let me ex- before I give you the six things, I need you to understand why this is so important. Because some of you right now are leading very defeated lives. Some of you right now are looking at yourself and saying, I know I'm saved, but I'll never be anything for the Lord because I messed up, or I can't do it. Well, we've already seen, folks, there's no way anybody can do it. But you're leading a defeated life because you don't truly understand who you are. You're living in bondage. And I'll just be honest with you, some folks in our churches are in bondage because the church has imposed a bondage upon them. In order that they, quote, be accepted by God, they've got to do all these things that nobody can do. Listen to what he says about your true standing. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the first thing. We see it in verse 3. Before salvation, you were enslaved to the bondage of the world. Before salvation, you were enslaved to the bondage of the world. Now Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He talks about you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and that you were guided by three things guided by what george well the course of this world which would be the culture the society and what it accepts and so forth and you were in that bondage you were also guided by the prince of the power of the air the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience you were guided by satan and you were guided by your own flesh And you were in bondage, and you were in bondage to the law. Why? Because the law revealed to you what you couldn't do, and because the law revealed it, guess what you wanted to do? He tells us that in in Romans. Chapter 7 expressly tells us that when we see the things we don't want to do, guess what we want to do? The stuff that we shouldn't be doing. We're in bondage. So before salvation, you were in bondage. We were in bondage to the law that was continually showing us we can't live up to the standard. So before salvation, you were enslaved. You were enslaved to the bondage of this world. Now here, he quickly shifts from where we were before salvation in verse four and tells us that God did something for us. God sent his son to redeem us From our bondage. Look again at what he says in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come. So at the precise moment in God's plan. It wasn't by chance. At the exact time when it was supposed to happen. He sent his son who was born of a woman. We know that. The virgin birth born under the law born in a jewish home to carry out the law but here's the thing we remember about jesus but yet he was without sin he didn't break the law he was the only one who could keep the law perfectly so here's what i want you to see is that god sent his son to redeem us to remove us From the bondage. That's what the whole issue of redeeming is. It means to redeem a slave. To remove us from the bondage of that brutality that we existed in through the law, but also the bondage to our culture, bondage to Satan, bondage to our own desires. That's something to think about, isn't it? God sent his son to redeem us to redeem us. Here's the next thing I want you to do this. Why did he do that? We see it in verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoption as sons. He did this for your adoption as his children. Basically, here's what's going on. He took you and I in our circumstance, removed us from the bondage, and he just didn't remove us from the bondage. He now says, you are my children. I adopt you. You and I become no longer slaves, no longer slaves who are just set free. We now are his children, something special. You now become an heir. You are given status. You are given standing. See, this is the problem most people don't understand in church today. And I think part of it has to do with the whole way in which we present the gospel. We present the gospel as something that happens later on. We present the gospel as forgiveness now, removal of sin... And then we go to be with Jesus later on. We don't tell anybody now that who they are is an heir of God. You have a standing with God right now. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians that we are seated with him in the heavenlies. That's reflecting that we now have a standing with God. That's something totally awesome that the salvation that you and I have been given is not just for later when we go to be with Jesus, because that's where most people think it is. It's for life right now. We are his children. In fact, he's going to express that even further as we go along with these points. Because there's something you need to understand. You need to understand. Here, what it says. He goes on. He gave his adopted children the Holy Spirit. Whoa. See, here's the thing listen to me. When you came to Jesus, you were not just set free from the bondage that you lived in, you were not set free from the law that you couldn't keep. He made you his child. And then as his child, he gave you something special himself. His Holy Spirit to live within you. And we know from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 that the Spirit of God was given to us as a seal. What? To seal our redemption. To seal us to say that we belong to him. And listen to me, as a guarantee of what? our salvation. That's what verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. So he gave his adopted children the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. Listen to me. That says something about you. Here you are, you're thinking you're worthless, you messed up, and sometimes the church communicates that to people. I mean, I think for years, the stigma that we gave people who were divorced, oh yeah, come to church, please give, but you can't do anything. Isn't that contradictory? But the reality is, in spite of our mess-ups, we are someone. We are his children. And the status of his being a children is because he's given us... the. The Spirit, the Spirit of God himself is within each and every one of you. That's so awesome. Let's go on now. Let's let's go on. because Here's what he says. Verse 6, and because you are sons of God, sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now here's what I want you to see. This, okay, let's back up before I tell you what it is. All right. the biggest struggle that you have right now as a believer that I have right now as a believer is that we live in a sinful world and because we live in a sinful world we inhabit flesh that's been trained in sin. The fact is, is you and I sin. And we understand, listen to me, we understand because of that sin that affects our relationship with the Lord. And because we sin, And it affects our relationship with the Lord. We enter into thought processes that are very typical of our human relationships. When we do somebody wrong, we think that our relationship now has changed. And typically it does in human relationships. And that that person has changed towards us. And that we might no longer be accepted. In fact, that's what the enemy will come to you and say. He doesn't accept you anymore. Good Christian doesn't do that. In fact, that's what the church culture does. Good Christian doesn't do that. But here's what I want you to see. Your acceptance has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what Jesus did for you. And what did he do for you? Listen to what he did for you. He redeemed you, brought you out of the bondage, gave you a new standing. You are his children. And as part of that standing, and as part of that whole understanding of that acceptance, he gave you his Holy Spirit. And here's what the Holy Spirit does for you. That's what we see in verse 6. That's the point I want you to understand now. Look at how that acceptance is lived out. The Spirit moves believers to address God as daddy. Daddy. Wait a minute, George, where'd you read that? Well, look at verse 6. In the He sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is the Greek word. First of all, it's not the Swedish band from the 70s disco era. It's the Greek word meaning, it's an intimate term, Daddy. You and I can go to the Father, the Heavenly Father, because of our standing as his children, because of his acceptance of us, and say, Daddy, Daddy. That is an intimate term. That reflects your acceptance. Okay, so listen to me. Here you are you are wrestling with whether or not God truly accepts you. Maybe you're listening and you got away from him for a period of time. Maybe you're listening and you haven't been where you should be for the last few years, but through this crisis, God has gotten your attention, and you're kind of thinking like, okay, I know I didn't do right, but here I am, I'm coming back. What do I do? Does he accept me? Listen, if you are his child... It's not what you've done it's who you are who are you? his child, his adopted child redeemed, bought with a price the price of Jesus Christ and you can go to him and here's what he's saying to you you can go to him and know that you're accepted because you can use a very personal term in addressing him Abba Daddy Daddy I need you Daddy. Isn't that awesome? But so many of us don't understand and sadly it's because we haven't been communicating that that right now you have standing, And it means something in your world, especially with what you're going through right now in the midst of everything that we're going through. The Spirit moves believers to address God as daddy. As daddy. So then finally... Here's what I want you to see. He makes a concluding statement here in verse 7 about your standing. Look at what he says here. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. For ladies, a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir of God through Christ. You are an heir. You are a son. So here's the thing I want you to see. You have a true standing as a child of God, not as a slave. So start living it. Start living as who you are. listen to me the world the church culture that is that is deviated from the gospel is going to put pressure on you and tell you that you need to live a certain way listen to me you live the way you're supposed to live because of what jesus has done for you not to gain his acceptance there's a difference you're already accepted so live like who you are child of God not a slave what do I do with what you shared with me well I'm going to give you two thoughts I always give you two thoughts two thoughts to wrestle with two thoughts to come to some sort of conclusion okay here it is here's the first one it is possible to be saved and to be totally ignorant of your standing with God. Did you hear what I said? It's possible to be a child of God and not even understand who you are. And for a lot of you, that's where you're at right now. I know, I've been there. It's possible for you to be saved, trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation, for your forgiveness, having a hope that there will be something better later on, but you have no understanding of who you truly are right now because it's not reflected in your life. You're still living in bondage, still wrestling with whether or not he loves you and accepts you, still wrestling with not even understanding what the role of the Spirit is in your life. And it's reflected in your prayer life because you're wondering, does He hear you? Listen, when my kids come talk to me, I hear them because they're my kids. Do you not think that God is the same way with you when you're His child and you go to Him and express to Him the things that are on your hearts? See, it's possible to be saved, and to be totally ignorant. That's really the thing you've got to ask yourself. Have you been ignorant? Have you been operating in ignorance of your true standing with God? Something for you to think about. Here's the second one. That ignorance leads to spiritual defeat that results from misguided effort. Because you're ignorant of your true standing, because you're ignorant of what Jesus has done for you and who you are right now in your relationship with him, you have misguided your efforts in living for him by trying, by trying to gain his acceptance. Folks, that is so misguided. And because you're trying to do something that you cannot do, I think we understand that. There is nothing that you can do to gain his acceptance. But some of you are caught in that trap of wanting to do something to gain his acceptance if I could just do this folks you can't and so you end up being spiritually defeated and I know so many people that have walked away from God because they said there's just no way I can do it folks they were never meant to do it you were never meant to do it it's just resulting in misguided efforts on your part you have a standing with Jesus you are his child Live out of that for him. That's what Paul's wanting you to see. That's what I'm hoping you will see. Live for him because of who you are. Who are you? A child of God, bought by Jesus Christ as he sacrificed himself for you. An heir to the heavens. Because of Jesus. Know that for your life. Let me pray for you.